You know, it's a beautiful week when in the busyness of things, I hope you've taken some time to just think on the Lord and this week and what he's done for us. Riding into Jerusalem and all the adoration he received, the palm branches put down, the coats put down, and how they hailed him as king and all of these things and the religious leaders saying, uh, get them to be quiet. And he said, listen, if they're, if they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. Yeah. And he rides in. And he begins to teach and he begins to minister to them. And he, has a li- he overturns the tables in the temple and they ask him by what authority you can do these things. And he confronts them and shuts them up and basically and, and continues to anger them or or um, make them even more wanting to take his life. And then we see him at the Last Supper. And that's kind of where I'm going to be at. Uh, I'm going to look at the betrayal, the failure, and the denial, the legacy of the Last Supper. And we see him go into the garden And we see him asking his friends to be with me, fool. Be with me. Just be here. Watch while I pray. And they fail him. They can't watch with him. And then we see his arrest and his mockery of a trial. And we see the denial of a close, close friend who wouldn't even associate with him in his hour of need. Then we see him take the cross and the burden of the cross and the, the beating that he took and the, and the rejection of, 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 of the people, even saying, you know, um, you know, we have no God but Caesar and let, let his blood be upon our heads and on our children. We see this, just this insanity go on, this deep rejection. We see him carry the cross to the point of where he drops the cross where he can no longer take it and someone else carries it with him. We see him nailed to the cross and we see him say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Then as he gives up his spirit, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two and, and, and there was an earthquake and there was rocks exploding and there was uh, holy people coming up out of the tombs and, and then there was this silence and everybody thought it was over. Three days later, he rises from the dead and he becomes the victor over sin, sickness, death, hell, and the grave. Right? I mean, these are great things to think upon. Then he goes and meets with the disciples. And then he ascends into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. And then, soon and very soon, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And you can say, well, I got a lot of spots and I got a lot of wrinkles. And I'm not talking about age. I have spots too, and I'm getting some wrinkles too. I get what you're saying. But see, he's going to work that out. Now, I have a part to play in it too as I draw closer to him, and he begins to remove things 
iron out some of those spots, removing some of those wrinkles. We, 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 we're partakers with, with that in our relationship to him. But there's, he, he is beyond words and beyond greatness. And, um, you know, as I began to think of the, of the Last Supper, you know, I was really taken aback by really the grace under pressure of the Lord. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 14, if you want to turn there in your Bibles or if you want to just click on it on your smartphone. However you do it, you do it. And let's just pray and let's get in the Word. And let's kind of look at how much Jesus endured even before the cross, even before being in front of the religious leaders, among those that he had been close to, we're going to see that even those close to him had betrayed him, denied him, and failed him. But then we're going to see how his love triumphed over all of those things and the lessons that we can learn from that personally for ourselves. So let's just, uh, Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for all that you have endured for our sins and how much you love us and how much grace and mercy you have for us and how you saw beyond the cross to see each and every one of us even gathered here tonight because you loved us because you did not want us to not be with you and that you set up a place in heaven for us so that we can be with you forever. It's even as you said, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have, to I wouldn't have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come and bring you with me so that you would be with me forever. Lord, there's... There's things in the future that are coming, Lord, even the temporary things that we see now, the craziness. Lord, there's going to come a day for all eternity where we will be with you. But even now, Lord, we ask you to be with us as we, as we gather around your word. Let your blessing be upon us. Let your grace be upon us. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit be upon us, on our minds, upon our hearts, upon our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start in verse 17, and I'll read to the end, and it's, it's quite a lot, and then we're going to dive into this. It says, when it was evening, he came with the 12, and they were reclining at the table and eating. Jesus said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and said to him, one by one, surely not I. And he said to them, it is, the one, it is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is, is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better or good for that man if he had not been born. While they were eating, he took some bread. And after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take it. This is my body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. 
Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night, before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all were saying the same thing. They came to the place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray as if it were possible the hour might pass by him. And he was saying, Abba, Father. Now remember, Pastor was talking about that Abba. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you, that you may not come into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came, came up and accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs, who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he who was betraying him had given them a signal saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away under guard. After coming, Judas, Judas immediately went to him saying, Rabbi, and he kissed him. They laid hands on him and seized him. But one of, one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures. And they all left him and fled. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body. And they seized him, but he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. They led Jesus away to the, to the priest and all the and the to the high priest and the chief priest and the elders and the scribes gathered together. Peter followed at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and he was sitting with the officers and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priest and the whole council kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus to put him to death and they were not finding any. For many were giving false testimony against him but their testimony was not consistent. Some stood up and began to give false testimony against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. Not even in this respect was their testimony consistent. The high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus, saying, Do you not answer? What is this these men are, are testifying against you? But he kept silent and did not answer. 
Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, are you, the, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. You have heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Some began to spit at him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fist and to say to him, prophesy. And the officers received him and slapped him in the, and with slaps in the face. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servants' girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you are also with Jesus of the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out to the porch, and the servant girl saw him and began at once more to say to the bystanders, this is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders were saying to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are, you are talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him, before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. Again, as I was speaking with you, tell, talking about the Passion Week and so many things to focus on, what Jesus went through for us, we might even focus on the Villa Dolorosa, the way of sorrows as he carried his cross. We're in awe of Jesus' strength and grace in the midst of great suffering. Before there was a mockery of a trial, before there was a whipping, before there was a crown of thorns, before there was a rugged cross, there was a last supper. We at times want to romanticize the last supper, yet intertwined with the Last Supper was betrayal, abandonment, failure of close friends, false arrest, the sham of a trial, disowned by a close friend. Some may see the Last Supper as the peace before the storm, but nothing can be further from the truth. And as we focus tonight on the Last Supper, as we look at Jesus' interaction with those who would betray him, with those who would abandon him, with those that would fail him, we're in awe of the strength that Jesus had to continue to move forward, to continue to not to abandon those that would abandon him, and to show what grace under pressure truly looks like. What happened before and during and after the Last Supper shows the character of Jesus. There are three tragedies that I want to share with you today about the Last Supper. The first tragedy I want to share with you is betrayal. See, Jesus, when he's with the 12 and they're, they're up and they're reclining, he says, one of you is going to betray me. Now think of this. How many of you would cook a dinner, invite people over, and even invite the one over who's going to betray you? Who would have that kind of strength, knowing this person that I'm going to invite is going to betray me? These people sitting at the table with me are going to run away. The one whom I trust so much and I've spoken into, the one who has been close to me is going to deny me. 
all of these people, all of these disciples, all of the 12, he invited for one last meal. And so we see, when we look at the Last Supper, and sometimes many, some of you may have seen the painting by Leonardo da Vinci. I was about to say Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Little faux pas there, but Leonardo da Vinci. We look at it, and, and, and we see this, just this, little, first of all, beautiful painting, but also we, we, when we look at it, we, we, we think of it in awe, like, wow, how beautiful, and yet we don't understand the tragedy in the midst of that Last Supper. Jesus, knowing full well that his time was coming to an end, still found time to sit with his friends and endure their betrayal, endure their failure, endure their abandonment, endure their denial. Because when you love and when you pour out your life into the lives of someone else, knowing full well who they are and what they're capable of or not capable of, and yet you still choose them, you don't abandon them, even though they'll abandon you. And so we see here the first tragedy of the Last Supper was betrayal. Knowingly inviting a betrayer to sit and have one last meal with you. It almost sounds Machiavellian. You didn't think I knew that word, did you? But someone who would not have the right heart would act in a Machiavellian way and invite a betrayer only to try to overcome the betrayer to be the victor, to turn the tables, to get even, to not, to, not, to not be the betrayer, but be the one that does the betraying. That's Machiavellian. But Jesus is not that way. He allows himself to be betrayed. Matter of fact, if you think about it, he allows himself to be betrayed even to this very day. Because each and every one of us, in some shape or form, have betrayed him. And yet, he still endures us. And he still loves us. And he's still a companion to us. He still remains present to us. And when we realize that we've betrayed him, we come even as Peter, Peter does, broken and, and, and in repentance and asking for mercy, and asking for grace, and asking for forgiveness, and finding all that and more because of his great love. So we see here the betrayal by Judas. And so how did Jesus show grace under pressure in the midst of betrayal? I want to show you two ways that he did. It says that while they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave... and. He, and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank from it. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So we see here 
that in the midst of saying, one of you here among me is going to betray me. But he goes and he institutes the Lord's Supper. And he says that when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, you think that when we think about, when we gather around the table and we celebrate communion, we remember the Lord for the things that he's done for us. But sometimes we need to reflect on what he endured for us, what he endured for the, for the disciples' sake. He goes and he institutes communion, knowing of what's ahead from the very men that are sitting at the table. See, it shows you the heart of Jesus to continue to move forward in the midst of what he's about to endure and what he's enduring even at the table. So he goes and he institutes the, the communion. He, go, he says, Here's, take this bread. This bread is my body, which will be given up for many. And he says, drink of the cup. It's the new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm sure when they're taking this uh, during this Last Supper, during this Passover meal, they have no idea what he's talking about. The bread, your body, the blood, the wine, your blood. What, what's going on? It's the, it was beyond the comprehension of each and every one sitting around that table. But yet Jesus instituted the will of the Father. Then they did something amazing after that. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I want to let you know something. That when you're, if you want to take a lesson from Jesus, when someone fails you, the first reaction that we have in failure is to expose it. I can't believe you did that to me. I can't believe. Why would you do that? How could you do that? What are you talking about? We, want, we expose someone else's weakness, someone else's failure that, is a, that has hit us personally. What did Jesus do? He sung a hymn. He sung a hymn. He worshiped God. So we see here, what in, in, in an application, when we look at the Last Supper, when we see in the midst of people's failure, people are going to fail you. Either you can expose it and be the victor over someone, or you can absorb it and turn around and worship God. And sing a hymn, sing a song, and not look to get tit for tat or get even, but to absorb a hurt to maintain a relationship, to absorb a failure but maintain a relationship. To absorb the pain. And you turn around and say, ow. And it's okay to say ow. Or ow, it's like, wow, that really hurt. But then turn around and find the grace and strength and mercy and help in a time of need. So we see in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of Jesus knowing they all were going to scatter. Some were going to uh, deny him publicly. All of these things he knew. But yet, 
turn around. And he sung a hymn. I can't wait to get to heaven to find out what hymn it was. I mean, it's, kind of, it's, it's a question. Jesus, what hymn did you sing? Not that I know it. But like, in the midst of that, and you have to understand, it says, when they sung a hymn. I, obviously, he initiated the hymn. But he's showing his love for the Father. He's showing that he's able to absorb all the frailties of man and not fight back. Knowing that those that he poured out his life to in three years, that they were not able to endure what he was going to do and who he was and that they would fail him, he still sung a hymn. That's grace under pressure. That's strength of character. That's love. And so we see here, like, like I want, want to say, how did Jesus show grace under pressure? We see it in two ways. He initiated the communion, and he sung a hymn. Now, number two, when we're looking at the three tragedies of the Last Supper, number two is disappointing failure. This is an... Um, Verses 33 to 42, he says, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? He couldn't, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. See, in times of trial, what each of us want and need is close friends to be with us. See, there are times in our life when the pressures of life or, or, or the failures of someone or close to us or, or just the pain of life gets to be too much that we need someone to walk with us. We need someone to say, hey, listen, I'm going through this, but I can't go through this alone. And we begin to pour out our hearts to someone. And let me tell you something. You don't pour out your heart to just anyone. You don't let anyone in on what's really going on in your life unless you trust them. And, not, and, and trust them wholeheartedly that, one, they'll keep a confidence. Two, they'll walk with you. And three, they'll uphold you. And four, they'll check in on you. And so we see here that Jesus asked them, asked three people, three of his closest friends. Think about this. Three of the, Peter, James, and John, the ones who went up to the mountain of transfiguration, who saw him in all his glory, who witnessed Moses and Elijah speaking with Jesus. Peter, who got out of the boat and walked on water, 
And when he sank, Jesus lifted him up. These three close friends of his. That he, take, he tells the disciples, wait here. But he takes his three close friends and he goes a little further and he says, wait here. I'm going to pray. Watch and pray with me. And he comes back and he says, could you not endure with me for one hour? And then he goes back and he prays again and he comes back and he still finds them sleeping. And he encourages them. And he says to them, listen, wake up, stay up. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, he knows who they are. He knows what they can endure and what they can't endure. But we see here that what he wanted most was a friend to be with him in his, mo- in his hour of need. And they could not endure what he was going through. And that's the thing in our lives too. Sometimes we'll go through things and people in our lives can only go so far. But we have to go further. And sometimes we have to go further alone. And we see that in the life of, of Jesus. He took his three with him, but knowing that he had to go further, and he had to go further alone. The beauty of this is knowing that you, he, you have friends, you have people around you that, can, that can, can lift you up, can lift you up in prayer, but sometimes even the prayer sometimes does not feel like enough because you're, you're enduring this and you're enduring it alone. And you see, that's the beauty with Jesus because he can recognize it with you because he can say, I understand what it is to walk the road alone. And there's this portion of scripture that says, first of all, we know Jesus said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But there's also a portion of scripture that tells us that he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. So we see here in this time of, of, of failure, of disappointing failure, in times of trial, what each of us want is a close friend to be with us. Job's friends, when he was in his most hour of need, ridiculed him. They called him a sinner. They, sang, they said to him, you're getting what you deserve. All of your fake religion, all of your fake piety has brought you to this point. Ha ha. David's friends wanted to kill him. When David was turned back from, the, from watching with the Philistines and all of, the, all of David and his men's wealth was taken along with their wives and children, that they began to weep and they got to a place where they were murmuring among themselves to kill David. So just as Job's friends could not endure his trial, just as David's friends could not endure his, their trial, Jesus' friends could not endure his trial. Three lessons from the Garden of Gethsemane. Lesson number one, a personal trial is a very lonely and painful place. You know, you think about it, sometimes you'll get bad news from a doctor and you're the one that's sick and you're the one that has to endure it. And though you may call for prayer and though people may may say I'm praying for you and come alongside you, each and every one of us one day will have to walk that road alone and carry that burden alone. No matter how many friends we have, multitude or small, there comes a time in in our lives when the trial is so severe 
that people can only sympathize. They cannot empathize because you're walking that, tra that, tra that trail alone. And so we see here the three things that we learn from the Garden of Gethsemane is that no first, a personal trial is a very lonely and painful place. But even there, the Lord is with you, strengthening you, comforting you, giving you wisdom, allow allowing you to pour out your heart to him, holding you up in times of trial. But the second thing is no matter the amount of friends you have around you, no friend can carry your pain. I, I can empathize with people. I can listen to what people are going through. I can hear them. There are times when people call me on the phone telling me what they go through, and I can hear them. But the truth of the matter is, and I'll stand with you in prayer. I'll, 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 I'll listen to you on the phone. I'll, call, I'll return calls. I'll talk to you. I'll encourage you. But the truth of the matter is that no amount of friends you have around you can carry your own pain. And lastly, like Jesus, encourage your friends to stay strong even when you are not. Imagine, here's, here's the thing. Three times Jesus goes before the Father and he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not what I want, but what you want. And the three times he goes back and he finds his friends asleep. But the beauty of it is that he says to them when he wakes them up, he says, listen, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now he could have berated them and said, I can't believe you're failing me in my hour of need. I ask you to stay awake and you fall asleep. It's kind of like a uh, husband and wife at the, uh, uh, sitting and watching TV. Date night. One stays up and watches the whole movie. The other one's asleep in five minutes. If I'm not moving, I fall asleep. It's just the way I am. If I'm not driving, if I'm in the passenger seat, I'm falling asleep. If I'm sitting for too long, I'm falling asleep. The secret of staying awake for me is keep moving. Once I sit down, I'm out for the count. But here's the thing. He could have, he could have berated them and said, you failed me. I asked you to stay awake. Did I ask you to do something hard? No, I just said stay awake. I can't believe you couldn't stay awake. I asked you to stay awake. I asked you to watch. That's not what he did. He ministered to them in their weakness. He encouraged them. In the midst of personal friends failing him, he says to them, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And he says, stay awake. Pray that you will not enter into temptation. He's encouraging them in the midst of their failing him. That's grace under pressure. So we see tragedy number two is the denial. I mean, I'm sorry. Tragedy number two is personal failure. When someone fails us, we want to lash out and tell them how much they hurt us, how much they disappoint us, or I knew you would do that because we always want to have one up on someone. Jesus didn't take that opportunity for one-upmanship. He ministered to them and said, the spirit is willing. I know what you want to do, but you don't have the strength to do it. And so he ministered to them. And so... 
when you find yourself in a place where you're walking, when you're walking along the road alone and someone fails you, the easy thing to do is to, is to lash out in disappointment, to let someone know how much, oh, how much you've disappointed me. But what does that, what does that get you and what does that get them? And so if we're going to take a lesson from, from the Garden of Gethsemane, the lesson is in the midst of your pain, even though someone fails you, when you find, if, if you can find the strength to minister to them and to let them know, I know you're still with me. I know you're my friend. I know I'm walking this road alone. And I know that you can only go so far with me. But I appreciate the fact that you've walked this far with me for this long. Thank you. That's basically what Jesus did. I know I'm walking this road alone. I know you can't endure what I'm asking you to endure. But I want to let you know, I know you want to endure with me, but I know you're weak. That's basically what he said to them. So like Jesus, encourage your friends to stay strong, even when you're not. Lastly, denial. Verses 66 to 72. When Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. Remember now, Jesus has been arrested. He's standing before the Sanhedrin. He's standing before the, the chief priest. He's standing before the scribes. He's standing before all of the religious leaders that have waited for the opportune time to exact their revenge on him. And so he's, he's enduring the mockery of a trial. And what he had spoken of earlier to Peter is now about to come to pass. And it says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the, that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she again said to, him, to those standing around, this fellow is one of them, and he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man. I don't know this man. I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately the, roast, the roaster, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crow, crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. In, in Luke, somewhere in Luke, it says that when the rooster crowed, I think it's the 22nd chapter of Luke, it says that Jesus turned and he looked straight, straight at Peter. And it says that Peter broke. And so we see here denial, your close friend. The one who just a little while ago said, I, 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 all others may deny you, but I, I'm not going to do it. And when Jesus said to him, before the rooster crows twice tonight, you're going to deny me three times and seeing it come to pass and the brokenness of Peter. When you are singled out for attack, there may come a time when those close to you will deny their association to you. See, we're all friends and all this, that, but when the, when the rubber hits the road, when the fire gets turned up seven times hotter and it's dangerous to be around that person or to associate with that person because guess what? You're going to, when, if you associate with that person, 
You're going to go through the same trial. You're going to go through the same heat. You're going to go through the same mob. And some people will say, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't really know that guy. Or, or I know him, but I didn't know he was all about that. Or yeah, you know, uh, you know, we went to church together, but you know, I didn't know he was that much of a you know, Jesus freak. I didn't know he was that much into Jesus. I didn't know he was going to say that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that. I'm not a part of that. See, when the rubber hits the road and you stand your trial and you stand up for righteousness or you stand up against the wickedness of, of this perverse generation and all of hell is broken out against you, some people closest to you may very well deny their association with you because they don't want that kind of heat or they're not ready for it. And so we see personal denial can be, a, can be a hard thing to endure. And we see here the legacy of the Last Supper. We see first we see betrayal. Then we see personal failure. Now we see denial. Before the beatings even took place for Jesus, for Jesus can imagine what his heart must have felt like that was a slap in the face. The one who told you he loved you, now in your moment of trial, denies you. And so we see another thing born out of denial. When victory is achieved, the victor should restore the fractured friend. See, when you endure the trial, when you endure the mob, when you endure the accusations, when you endure all that hell may put against you and you overcome, remember to restore your friendship because that's what Jesus did. It says in Mark chapter 16, check this out, I love this. It says, the angel said to, to him, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is, he is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. See, when you have the victory now, you, it, the beauty of victory is not that you heap it upon yourself. The beauty of victory is restoring friendship. The beauty of victory is restoring those who failed you. The beauty of victory is going along someone and saying, I knew you couldn't endure this. I know you went with me to a certain point. And I knew that's as far as you can go. And though you may feel that you failed me, I want to let you know I'm still your friend. I want to let you know I forgive you. I want to let you know I've overcome. And because I've overcome, I've come back to tell you, thank you for being with me for the, for the point to where you can stand. And that's what happened with Jesus here in the, in, in, the, in the gospel here. When the angel announces, go tell the disciples and Peter, the first thing on Jesus' mind is he wants to restore a relationship. See, and here's the thing. We've all failed Jesus from time to time. We've all denied Jesus from time to time. You say, well, how have I denied Jesus? When Jesus says, don't do that thing and you do it anyway, you deny Jesus. When Jesus says, don't go there and you go there anyway, you deny Jesus. When Jesus says, turn that off and you, and you don't turn it off, you deny Jesus. When Jesus says, forgive and you don't, you've denied Jesus. When Jesus says, tell them, and you don't tell them, you've denied Jesus. We've all denied him. And yet, 
in the midst of our denial, because he's the victor, he always looks to restore friendship. See, he endured it all on the cross. He endured the betrayal. He endured the failure. He endured the denial. And when he came off the cross and went into the grave and came back, he restored relationship. Because that's grace under pressure. That's love. And we talked about it today, reckless love. That's love. Because each and every one of us in this place has in some time sold, sold Jesus out for less than 30 pieces of silver as, as Judas, uh, Judas did. We've all personally failed Jesus. We've all, in some point in our lives, betrayed him. But yet, he's absorbed all of that because of, because of his love for us, and he continually restores us. That's the legacy of the Last Supper, the betrayal, the personal failure, and the denial. In closing, God's grace in your life can help you overcome the hardest of betrayal, the hardest of failure, the pain of denial that was leveled against you. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. See, when all is said and done, love triumphs over everything. God bless you. you want it?